0: hello hello and welcome to the future is bilingual podcast thank you for tuning in i'm so excited to share this interview that i recorded with tommy he is an english teacher living in germany and along with his wife they are raising their three kids bilingually But not only that tommy was also raised bilingually so he has a of personal experience and wisdom to share with us. This interview is full of amazing quotes that I will be sharing on my Instagram page uh, after I publish this episode, little by little, there were just so many good things that he said. So if you're not already following me there, you can head over to Instagram and look up the future is bilingual one word, and you'll find me there. So come check that out. I don't want to give too much away, but we do cover a lot of topics in this interview, so stay tuned. So, uh, Tommy, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, about your family, what you do, what languages you speak, that kind of stuff?
1: Okay. Hi. <clears throat> my name is My name is Tomasz. Um, I'm half Hungarian, but everyone calls me Tommy because it's so much easier to pronounce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a half, I'm half Brit, half uh, Hungarian. I was born into a bilingual family in the UK. My mother, she came from Hungary. Um, my father is from my my father from the UK. Mm-hmm. And I'm 31 years old. I used to live, or I lived my whole life until seven years ago in the UK, but now I live with my family in Germany. Um, what languages do I speak? Um, yes. I speak I speak English, as you can, as you can of hear. Of course, this, this, this is my uh, non-native, uh, or let's say my native non-official mother tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, I speak Hungarian, which is considering what who my mother is. Um, my native mother tongue, um, and at school, um, and at university. I learnt French, German, and Spanish. Um, at university, I only went on to I only went on to study German and Spanish. Um, but this was a, this was for me um, perhaps one of the. This was a shame that I did this. this was probably a shame that I did this because mm-hmm. I would have loved to have continued with the, with my journey in French. Um since graduation seven years ago from university. Mm-hmm. I've completely forgotten all my Spanish or pretty much everything. Um but as I am immersed in the German everyday culture, mm-hmm. I I speak German pretty much fluently. Yeah, yeah. So I mean
0: your your brain has to give somewhere if you're focusing so much on the German. It is hard to keep a balance with all the other Tercery, you know, the, the additional languages, considering exactly. how many you're already studying. And we just published an episode on language attrition. So definitely mm-hmm. take a listen if you haven't heard already. Um, so uh, similar. Um, I didn't know you were so close to me in age. So I'm 32. So we're very close in age. I also studied French and Spanish at school. So quite similar there. Mm-hmm. Um, and can you tell us what you do, because I feel like that is pertinent.
1: I'm a freelance English teacher here in here in nuremberg the city that i live in bavaria southern germany mm-hmm. i find my own private students uh and i teach them or i work for language schools who who offer me who offer me students mm-hmm. uh and therefore i work i work my i work in a sort of parallel streams either mm-hmm. either there's the the constant flow of language school students coming into me, or there's the there's a power, there's a there's a constant stream of private students coming into me. So mm-hmm. this is what this is what it means to sort of be and to be a freelancer, at least here in the at least here in the in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to work in the public sector as, a, as an English teacher in schools is a bit more complicated. I would have to restart my bachelor, and this would take oh. me seven years. So, you know, had I started seven years ago, I would be finished by now. So, technically speaking, I could already be working in a German public sector school. Um, uh-huh. This is not my this is not my intention though in life. My uh-huh. intention in life is to help, is to help those who are sort who sort of fall through the cracks of the German school system and mm-hmm. those whose grades are sort of dangling by a thread. So I give them sort yeah. of like a second lease of life which yeah. which makes it, it this gives me a sort of um this fulfills me this, this gives me sort of like a a um purpose. fulfilling well, a yeah. fulfilling purpose exactly. Exactly. It makes me feel like I'm actually doing something good. um
0: i I totally understand i also tutor on the side since i stopped working and i became a stay-at-home parent and it is you get that one-on-one connection which we don't always have time for in the classroom but also the students that are struggling the most are the ones who are gonna search out a tutor so i think it is very fulfilling when you see them things will click and things that were very hard now make sense um so yeah that that's wonderful and how did you choose to go to germany and to bavaria um, was that a specific decision,
1: or did was that just how did that become? Well, they say that there's no such thing as a true love, a sort of true love story. But this one is actually this wow. one. Um, but this one is like out of a fairy tale. Um, me and my back then, she was my girlfriend, my okay. my one true girlfriend. Um, we had been writing together. We had been writing online together on a platform called Interpals, you know, back when, you know, back when we started, right, have you heard of this? I don't know whether you might have heard of this.
0: No, but it does sound (laughs) romantic. (laughs) It's an online portal. Yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. An online portal where you could write, where you could write messages to each other. Um, And interestingly enough, my wife, back then she was my girlfriend, then she became Mm -hmm. my fiance, then, then my, now my wife. Um, She had also been to Hungary as an exchange student for um, the organisation Youth for Understanding. Um, And Youth for Understanding basically gets people from different cultures, different backgrounds, and and offers them this idea, offers them the chance to go on exchange to, to a new country. My wife originally wanted to go to Australia. Yeah. Uh, but this never worked out because of the financial side of it um, mm-hmm. being from a small village in Germany she never really this never really came to fruition um, her backup plan was then to go to Hungary and she fell in love with the country she fell in love with the culture fell in love with the people and after she came back from exchange she wanted to continue her, her journey her Hungarian language journey and she wrote to me on this online portal i write back to her we eventually met uh, we eventually met fell in love with each other and we married that was seven years ago
0: wow what a beautiful story and i mean just that fate would have it that she would be sent to hungary <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, ha- had she been sent to Australia, that would probably we probably would never have met. We probably yeah. believe would never have married. So you're 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 right. You know, it's it's a fate. It's fate that really had it in for us. Um, I didn't think back then when we first met. I think it was about eleven years ago that this would we would get this far. You know, mm-hmm. within eleven years we're married. We have three children of our own. We're living in we're living here. We have jobs, you know. This is like this is something which which people just dream of. You know, yeah. they wake up, fall in <laughs> love with someone, settle down, have kids, mm-hmm. jobs, that you know. That is basically what everyone would love to have, and this is this yeah. is what happened to me. A stable I was life. Like, exactly. <laughs> I was like, wow.
0: That's so. You wake up and you're living the dream.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I have to say that sometimes the dream is a bit, you know. Um hairy, we have our hairy moments, you know, but oh, who yeah. doesn't right. if you have children of your own, you 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 get what I mean, oh, um, yes. but that's not to say that we don't love each other, yes, we <laughs> might have our arguments, yes, we might we might not see eye to eye on every single thing that we do, but we love each other, we love our kids, we love <laughs> the languages that we speak, and that's all that matters really for any for for us at least, you know, so. <laughs> You know we can't we can't say that we um we can't say that we've we've got it perfect who has got it perfect? perfect you know there's no such thing as a perfect way in life where there's no such where no arguments on on things we see eye to eye on everything this doesn't exist this is a complete fairy tale um so to believe in this. To believe in each other what we have is that we believe in each other. You know, we believe in each other's fates. We you know, if one of us has a bad day, we say to each other, look, come on, you know, this happens. We've had we've mm-hmm. you know, you you don't take you take it on the chin and you move it for you, you move on to the next day. If we have a good day, we don't get too far ahead of ourselves, you know. We are we we try to stay as as level-headed as possible, even with the lang- even in language development, you know. Okay. So, I might have had a few um, bad interviews. I notice this is a language thing. This 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 is a language barrier which I need to break down. And over time, I I have broken it down. That's not to say mm-hmm. that it's completely broken down as such, but I am still working on this. I'm not a native German speaker, so there's always going to be A big there's always going to be that that block in the road
0: well yeah I think you are hitting on a big point of um, a lot of the times we're talking about immigrants experience on this podcast and there is something that we just even no matter how good your language gets I feel like there's still cultural references we're never going to understand you know even for 30 40 50 years you know they still are if you didn't have your childhood in a country, I feel like there's just things that you'll never, you'll just, you had your childhood elsewhere and you have other experiences. And I don't know, childhood is a special time, which you can't yeah. re- redo. Um, so I have many questions. Um, your wife sounds like she's, she shares your three languages. So she's a German native. Sounds like she knew English if she wanted to go to Australia. And then tell us, tell us how her language is, how her levels are
1: well she 's a native German speaker, and in Germany, what they do compared to now nowadays in the u k is that they they make it compulsory for you to learn english mm-hmm. at a at a young level you know so you'll be starting grade five and the first thing you'll be doing the, you know and you 'll be learning english now in the u k system it it was sort of like um yeah, you have to learn a language, you have to learn a language because it co- the the decree comes from the top, you know, it comes from government level that you have to learn a language, but we're sort mm-hmm. of reluctant to learn the language because we still have this idea of English is an empire, is an empirical language, it, mm-hmm. we still have the empire, we still have the Commonwealth. So who needs a, who needs two other, who needs another language? In Germany, it's a case of you learn a second you learn this you learn a second language. In this case, it's it's English, mm-hmm. and you know. And it, if you continue it into uh, university college level, then so be it. There are some who drop out of the school who drop out of school or finish school at the eight, um, in grade nine. Um, and they don't take, they don't go on to do any more English. But my wife, okay. she went to university. She she did a dual study system, which meant that she had to work half of the, t- she worked half of the time and she studied half of the time. Wow. She worked in, um, she worked at HP, and okay. at HP, as you know, it's an American company. Okay. You have to speak English, but in her line of work, it was more a case of, it was more sort of a German that German department that she worked for nevertheless her english i would have to say is you know is for someone who who is not a native mm-hmm. she is bang on the money bang on the money pretty much 90% of the time you know so we we're, we're talking of a, a woman with high intelligence yeah she she says that she doesn't love languages like i do I when I when I teach a language I like to go into the etymological background, you know. So the the, she's not someone who does this, Mm -hmm. but she loves her language. She loves speak. She can speak English really well. Mm -hmm. Um, her Hungarian, yeah. We don't speak it at home, so we can't we can't ask her to be a native speaker like I am. Not even I'm a native speaker. Um, I have to say that I speak English much better than I speak hungarian mm-hmm. um so this makes me sort of like a yeah it's if not I'm a, not as good yeah you're a
0: heritage speaker
1: because it's yeah it's I'm a her- exactly a exactly yeah um but her her hungarian skills are you know they they good as well she can understand she can get through she can she can uh she can speak a lot to my family in hungarian so I'm not you know I can't complain with this either that's I'm, wonderful. You know, I'm, yeah, that's I'm good. Pr- I'm very proud. I'm very proud of her. I mean, I, I mean, I'm very proud of her. I'm very proud of my kids, who are going to come to, I guess, a <laughs> bit later. Um, you know, because there's a lot which is going on, and she's developed She's developed those language skills to make herself as good as possible for what she can do. Yeah. And I
0: think I think that is just that's wonderful, and that's such a good lesson for everyone, because you know, not everybody is going to have that that love of languages like a lot of us do who are listening probably um, and that you and I have, but everyone can learn more than one language. And that's why if we give it to children young, we give them the gift of two languages or more, um, you know, they, they're going to have that forever, whether they make it their career or not, whether they use it in the future or not, it's just, everyone has that capacity and it you don't mm. have to be a linguist or a language lover or any of those things to learn a language, you know, if it's useful, then you will use it. So if you need it, like your wife needs Hungarian because your family speaks Hungarian, you know, same with me. I didn't know any Polish, but when I met my husband, I was like, okay, everybody speaks Polish. I need to learn this so I can understand what's happening. <laughs> um, and I just, I think that's, it's so important that, you know, there needs to be, it needs to be useful. So parents, we need to keep minority languages useful for kids. Otherwise, they're not gonna see the point. But also mm. to have faith that everybody can learn another language. You know, like yeah, don't, it doesn't. Um, uh, it doesn't I mean, take I any that, special skills. <laughs> sorry, um,
1: I, no, I say this to I say this to all my students, um, whether they're young, whether they're old. You're never too old, never too, in quote unquote, stupid. Mm-hmm. That's what most, of lots of my students say, to learn a second language. You know, I hear lots of people. <clears throat> I hear lots of people in my who, you know, who might be in their forties, fifties, and they say, oh, you know, all I need is a bit of English to get by. You know, I'm going to go on holiday, hopefully after the COVID <laughs> period, to an English-speaking country, possibly to the United States or to the mm-hmm. UK, and I need to get by. I need to be able to do more than be able to order a beer in a <laughs> pub. And I say, look, come on, you're never too you're never too old to learn it. And then they come up. Then obviously the next thing that they say is, I'm too stupid to learn it. Now, yeah. you know that that doesn't wash with me. You know that yeah. doesn't wash with me because that's a case of that's a case of this person not having enough. Um,
0: Self confidence. You
1: know, exactly, yeah. they don't believe in themselves. So they don't believe in themselves. They think. This is a psychological hurdle which I'm never going to be able to get over. You know, back then in school I had rubbish grades. So what's yeah. going to change? What's going to change the situation now? And I say, look, mm-hmm. come on, you're never too old to learn it. And this idea that you're stupid—that well, you know, forget about that altogether. Yeah. Because if we were, if I was stupid, I wouldn't be speaking here to you in German or mm-hmm. in English, and I wouldn't be able to tell, explain things to you, which for German native speakers are like what are you on about you know because there are certain (laughs) parts of english grammar which they think you must be crazy you know this doesn't exist in german so how am i meant to understand it
0: oh yes i get that i teach french and spanish and when you start doing subjunctive like that's just what why does this exist so same same idea hi guys I hope you're enjoying today's episode. And if you are, please consider sharing it with a friend, tagging us on social media, or leaving us a review. You can tag us at the future is bilingual one word on Instagram. We really appreciate your support and all your help in sharing our podcast and getting it into the ears of people who'd be interested in hearing it. Thank you. Thank you. And now back to the episode. Why don't you tell us more about your kids? You mentioned that you have three of them
1: yeah um we have three of them between the ages of uh one and three quarters yeah. and five and a bit uh, <laughs> you great know great. the average the average age difference between between all three is about two years mm-hmm. um, you are in oldest... the
0: trenches with me I'm in those trenches of one and a half and three, so I understand you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have to say it's incredibly hard every single day trying to get through to them. Interestingly enough, when I look at the development of languages of the language um, mm-hmm. we speak at home, you, um, we get to I get to the feeling that we sort of have this um, one person one language sort of mm-hmm. method at least here in our house. Yeah. Um, this is not to say that there are not other people who don't speak English or don't speak German to our kids, mm-hmm. but it's me predominantly speaking the English to them, and it's my wife predominantly speaking German to them. Now, I don't. It's not to say that I don't speak German. It's just that as I am a native speaker of English, I prefer mm-hmm. to I prefer to teach them my native language than to teach a language that I learn from. I learned at school, and mm-hmm. that I'm not a native speaker. Um, the and kids, on
0: top of, you're an English teacher, so well, exactly what yeah, English te- that. <laughs> teach their own kids English.
1: I've got a perfect background. I've got the perfect base yeah. for it. Yeah. You know, um, you're the expert. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I am the expert of. I am the expert. I am the. Um, I could call myself the ace in the pack. You know, if I really <laughs> wanted <laughs> to, which I'm not going to, because that would be. You know that would be egotistical of me but if I look at the development of the of how my kids have spoken I've learned to speak um English and German in their very small lifetimes mm-hmm. it has been amazing from the first words of my oldest matthias mm-hmm. when he when he was in uh when he was a you know I don't know what you call it in in America but we don't have it in in Germany we have kindergarten which is from the age of um, three but before that we have sort of like crash in it it's what we call crash, it in the yeah. UK That's the
0: French word. we there's no um, everything here before the age of five is paid so you have to pay okay. for um, either hmm. daycare um, when they're really young and then at two and nine months they can go into a preschool hmm. and then that's till they're five but everything's paid okay. for so there's no sort of cash or anything like the French have that's paid for by this mm. uh, government, <laughs> unfortunately.
1: <laughs> it's not a problem though, but because each yeah. country has a different system of create of making yeah. things happen. Um, g- looking at how my oldest started off with his basic language, basic words, he obviously, as he was immersed in German. In German preschool
0: mm-hmm.
1: he had the first words that he spoke were obviously in German mm-hmm. but you know over a spit over a period of time uh, as it as has been as has been proven by many studies the kids brain can pick up so much information within you know within a very small period of time mm-hmm. that you might you know that from one day to the next your kid might be speak might have two, three new four new words that they might be speaking in the language. And, you know, my kids all three of them have been picking up language since they were since the first you know, since they recognize the sounds of the words. Looking at my youngest who is now who's gonna be two in December, she can now speak to me pretty much Almost incomplete complete sentences in English, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm like, well, back up a second. You're only, you're not even two years old. What yeah. are you doing? You know, okay. this, you're going. This is a bit too quick for me. You know, <laughs> let's go, let's rewind a bit on this tape. You know, it's a bit too quick for me. But mm-hmm. I am immensely. They, were they all born in
0: Germany?
1: Yes, they were all they're all born in Germany, and this has an influence, obviously, on the languages that they speak. You know, the first uh-huh. language that they're going to speak is obviously going to be German, as they need, nat- you know, as they were born in Germany. Uh-huh. But they they have developed <clears throat> lingu- linguistically. They have developed so quickly, you know, that um, yeah. we can't complain. We cannot complain about what they have done because it's been such a pleasure to see it. Uh-huh. Um, at times, it is obviously horrifying because you think wow you've learned a few you've learned a few too many words here you've learned a few too a a few too many phrases that you shouldn't really be listening you shouldn't be hearing Mm -hmm. um but at the same time you think wow how is this possible how are you how are you able to be able to speak so much in such a you know in such a small period in such a short period of time
0: yeah yeah i can totally, totally i can really relate with my daughter who's uh she'll be two in january And I just, Mm. it's just amazing when they come up with these sentences and it's like, Oh my God, you're a baby, but you have your own thoughts and you can communicate them. I think it is just like you said, it's a pleasure because it's just so interesting every day. Like what is she going to say? And Mm. my son, you know, he's older. So we're more used to him speaking now, but it is hilarious. Sometimes It's just so funny what they'll say. And I think anyone who's listening that has little kids, or has you know nieces and nephews, or works with children. I think you know everybody knows. Um, little kids are just hilarious, and that must be why people teach kindergarten. I, I can't work with young students I have, and it's not my niche, but um, I think it must be fun and funny <laughs> to be with little kids all day.
1: That's it. I can't, for example, I don't have the patience to be able to, to teach um, young kids. You know, yeah. the age of um, say from the age of three, four upwards, because I already have I already have three kids at home. I don't need extra kids. I don't need extra kids on the go. You know, hundred percent.
0: I agree.
1: So I, you know, I my niche when I when I when I uh, when I'm teaching is say you know the age of four, say the age of thirteen, fourteen upwards. You know, I'm I'm I would prefer to be aiming at the bit at business clientele. You know, those who are working in in the uh, business sector. But you know, mm-hmm. you can't, pe- beggars can't be choosers. We can't always choose who we want to teach. And you know, if something comes uh-huh. along and they're the ones who who sort of take the bait, then then yeah. we then we teach them. You know, teaching is teaching. We take uh-huh. we take on what we can teach. You know, so yeah.
0: I have a question about your teaching. Is it just based in where you are? Or do you do things online? Or how is that happening with quarantine and coronavirus and everything?
1: Well, the thing is I've the thing is since COVID since the beginning of COVID here in Germany in the spring,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, all all teachers in Nuremberg and uh, in the bigger area of in Germany in general mm-hmm. have had to recalibrate themselves, you know. Before before Covid came, mm-hmm. heading in different directions, teaching different people, um, I actually enjoy my I have to say, teaching face to face. It's so mm-hmm. much more enjoyable. But then suddenly uh, as as the spring came and we found out about COVID coming in from from different parts of the world, mm-hmm. we had there was this sort of feeling that, you know, the German the German government German, and the Bavarian state government had to sort of react. How can we possibly make life mm-hmm. easier for all of our for all of our citizens for all the citizens living in this country? And they came up with the idea that we have to. Should you be teaching, you go online. Mm-hmm. You cannot. You're not allowed to go out. You're not allowed to even. You know. You weren't even allowed to go to shops. You know, I don't know how it was back in the US but here in the here in Germany it was like a case of, you know, the basics that you were allowed to do would go to the shop for food or okay. for toilet paper or for um you know for hygiene for basically hygiene towels and things which are basic for your native for everyday use. Okay. Apart from that, things like schools, clubs, bars, whatever it was, they were all closed down. So that meant that all of us teachers had to recalibrate ourselves and that included me and i have to say i didn't know anything about the idea of zoom for example until until maybe april may which was quite (laughs) but it was you know when people were talking about zoom i was like what is zoom i've never heard of it i you know i was looking up on the internet what you know i was typing in furiously what is zoom enter you know and it comes up with like zoom is this i was like uh have never is heard this? of it. <laughs> I've never heard of the thing, you know? And then like it was like I opened it up for the first time I was like, What is this thing? This looks like a classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, this looks like an online classroom with a with a whiteboard and I can share my screen. It's like, Well, isn't Skype any isn't Skype isn't doesn't Skype do that? And then I realised, well Skype has become an old fashioned tool. It's only really used by people who don't know anything else about about cyber about mm-hmm. in, about cyber products, you know? So I at the moment I'm doing a lot of things um, via Zoom um, that's also with students here in the, in the area that I live in, but also mm-hmm. with students further afield. I teach within the whole of, I teach students within the whole of Germany, mm-hmm. and quite a few of them, if you can imagine, live say, the different you know a distance between New York and Atlanta, Georgia. Well, okay. Let's not take let's not take Atlanta, Georgia here because Atlanta, Georgia whatever it is a bit It's a bit too far, but you get the idea. It's quite a long far. way. You know that yeah. I can't drive yeah. there and drive back and be still be on time for my next lesson, <laughs> which starts maybe fifteen half an hour later. So this means I have to be taught. I have to be, I have to go on I have to go either on Skype or on Zoom, okay. and. I have to say since since I got into Zoom and doing online teaching it's been enjoyable but I miss doing face-to-face teaching.
0: Yeah, there's no replacement, but we're doing the no. best we can. So our schools open in Germany. I know we're now just turning into a discussion about coronavirus times, but I'm interested.
1: Well, I mean at the interestingly in Germany the system is from, different from state to state, so you know um uh-huh. some schools started already um at the beginning of August, but here in Bavaria we are the last ones to go back to school. We started at the end we started at the beginning of September. Uh-huh. Um and there was all there was a lot of there was a lot of furious conversations going on in the local governments. How are we going to be able to keep our kids safe? What are uh-huh. the what are the what are the things that we have to do to to make sure that the kids stay safe? Um, do they have to wear masks in the in the in the classrooms or only when they're out in the in the schoolyard, as you guys in America love to say? Um, or or you know people were furiously going around. Oh, you know this is not right. And I, I even remember a day before school started, someone brought legal action against the Bavarian state government. Saying that using masks in classrooms was um, was basically against your freedom of speech. Of obviously, this was obviously the legal action was kicked out the minute it was the minute it got into the court. The the judge said, well, you know, you must be off your trolley. You know, you must be you must be completely crazy. Would yes. you like would you like to infect other school kids with COVID 19? That was the basis of, this was the basis of kicking this case out. So in Bavaria, at least, we have the strict rule, public transport and closed places, masks at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're at school, in the classroom, you don't need to wear masks, but you do need to wear masks if you are walking around in the schoolyard outside. Because, you know, airborne airborne COVID is... Is a big killer as well. You know, I don't know how many how many cases of COVID you have had in uh, New York. So, uh, you you yeah. live in New York somewhere, right? I
0: live in north, uh, New England, Massachusetts.
1: It's Massachusetts, a little bit all right.
0: North of New York State. Okay. But... Oh yeah. yeah, New York right. was, awful. was awful. Yeah, was awful. so I great.
1: mean, we as you can imagine, it's from state to state different. There are different. You know, some states say, forget the masks altogether. We'll do it our own way, and mm-hmm. Then you see the then you see then you see the big, then you see the consequences spikes. of what of mm-hmm. exactly the yeah. spikes of that. So you know,
0: so, we have that yeah. we have that in the state with our our own states that make their own rules, and we also had schools returning at different times. So I think Georgia spiked again. Arizona was spiking. Yeah, Texas, lots of. Mm. <laughs> that's another subject we can get back to languages, but I was just curious. How that yeah. looks. So if anyone is listening and is not a, na- a native English speaker, they could contact you for English lessons via Zoom. Okay, yeah. well, great. I'll put your info into the uh, show notes and then people can just click and find you there. So I will make sure to add that because I, um, I do see statistics of who's listening and it it's not just the U.S. and it's not just England. So I think we do have some, some listeners that are in other countries that are maybe listening to hear English because I know I do that for my languages I like to listen to podcasts in the languages I'm maintaining um, so yeah if you're interested in lessons we will put that in the show notes Super. Uh, how Super. do you stay motivated to keep teaching your kids I mean you're an English teacher but your own kids how do you stay motivated to keep giving them English and you know do they respond to you in German ever how does that work
1: my oldest has a tendency to revert to German <clears throat> but recent, but more recently, he has he has realised that you know I'm not, he's not going to get a German response out of me, so he has to he he has to figure out a way of saying it to me in in English. I mean, yes, I I do say to him yes, I sort of I react to him when he says something to me in German. I react to him in English, but you know I try to I try not to react at all. I try to say sorry, I don't understand you. Could you mm-hmm. please say that in, you know, just to pretend as if I wouldn't understand him, you know, is yeah. to say, could you repeat that please to me in English, so that basically he is forced to think, okay, I have to, bar- there's a barrier here. Mm-hmm. Dad speaks to me in English. Mum speaks to me in, mum speaks to me in German, and you know, I can speak to my dad in in German, but he's not, he's only going to react to me in. English. Okay. How I keep myself motivated, that's a good question, because I, I, there are days when I, days when I, when I get really frustrated as an English teacher with my students that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I wish that they would just be a bit more proactive. And then mm-hmm. I think, look at my kids and they are, they're incredibly proactive, very bright kids. But I think to myself. There are some days when really, there's not when when I think to myself I, I could possibly do more as an English teacher to help them I sometimes um lose my rag very quickly um if someone says something wrong to me in English I I react badly <clears throat> then I then I take a step I take a step back assess the position and say that come on They are only this age, they don't mean it, they can't Mm -hmm. help it. You know, I shouldn't expect wonders out of it. So to keep motivated, I think to myself, they're doing really well. Their journey has only really just started. They've got a long distance ahead of them. You know, (laughs) they have a lot of potential. It's It's not like it's a marathon, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a short distance. Short distance uh, race Spring. where they can mm-hmm. exactly um, so I think to myself, you know keep plugging on keep keep really trying to hit that trying to hit it out with them you know, and maybe eventually they will grow they they will improve their language skills, but they mm-hmm. are doing so well Heather. they are they are really <laughs> they, i can't I can't praise them enough. Mm -hmm. Even if I think to myself at times they are incredibly lazy, you know, that's not language (laughs) learning, though, that's just kids, yeah.
0: (laughs) But I think your method of just gently reminding them, you know, the little, oh, sorry, what did you say? You know, kind of Mm. pretending like I didn't hear you. It's not that I, you know, you you spoke the wrong language, just more gentle. Um, I think Mm. that's good. And your kids are still young, so you know, they're still kind of navigating. And I think that. I, I just think it's it's great that they're going to already have English um, along with German. And I had a question about that. I don't want to forget to ask you. What is what will happen later in school? Because you said all German students learn English. Will they have to take it or can they move on to another language? No. Do you, have you thought um... of that?
1: I don't think that's going to be possible. Mm. <laughs> it would be. That would be very. That would be amazing. You know, if you could just say
0: like a test or something to test out. You,
1: you guys are too good for. You guys are too good for this English lesson. You know, you can go and learn Latin, or you can go and learn French, yeah. or learn Russian, or, or Japanese, or Korean, or. Mm. Who knows what language will be next in the in the world market? I mean, Arabic right. is now what uh, Arabic is now one of the biggest growing languages here in Europe at least. So, mm-hmm. um, who, exactly, who knows yeah. what's going to be the next biggest language in the world? You know, as as statistics show, the importance of English is still quite high, but we still we're seeing a reduction in the amount of Teaching hours of english oh. and uh, and an increase of the teaching hours of say Arabic Chinese mm-hmm. Mandarin, and mm-hmm. Japanese three of the biggest world markets are opening up at the moment you know we see we see the u a we see united arab emirates they if you go on websites like Tefl you know teaching English as a yep. foreign language, they have their own uh, American and British websites. There are a ton of job applications for people going to China, to Japan, or somewhere in the Arab states. And the question obviously is, what is going to happen to the... Is this mean that there's going to be a reduction in the importance of English? I don't think so. English is always going to be somewhere at the top. Mm-hmm. But... You know, we get the feel. I get the feeling that my kids will not be able to drop out of English that quickly. You know, going back to the original question, I don't like to go on tangents because I, okay. you know, I, 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 seem to be waffling here a bit too much. No. Um, my kids will not be. I will. I intend for my kids not to, not to miss out on any English teaching. Obviously, okay. the level of English teaching in German schools cannot be comparable to that of a native speaker. Native speakers know their stuff better than someone who might have been in an English speaking country for five years or for ten mm-hmm. years of their life, but I have a feeling that my kids will still be sitting in English lessons um and I will be correcting all the mistakes that they <laughs> that mm-hmm. they make in their English lessons as an English teacher. This is gonna be my job as a as as their father, yeah, so I, I have a yeah. feeling this is where we're gonna be when they get to school.
0: Mm-hmm. Although, as you were saying that um, just made me think about I had um, two students that were heritage Spanish speakers, so they spoke Spanish at home, um, but that when they were still in my Spanish two course, because they didn't really know how to write, they hadn't really ever formally learned, um, like how to form past tense and things like that. So I think even if your, your children speak English with you and they're fluent, um, they mm-hmm. can still probably benefit from having formal education. Because all of us in our native language, we have formal education for 12 years at least, usually. Um, so yeah, at first I was thinking they they don't need English; they can just pass out of it. But they will probably still learn things. And you know, you read text depending on the level that they're in. Um, it will probably be easy for them, but mm-hmm. still, writing papers that's that's not an easy skill. And you know, when you're young, it's good practice to write things and. I just haven't ever thought about this. My, my kids are still so young and they're never going to have a chance to have Polish in school. So this is not a, an issue for me um, at all. But and
1: I'd say that this is a big shame. Um, the minority languages that we have in the world, you know, for example, mm-hmm. Hungarian. Hungarian is apparently, according to uh, some statistics, only spoken by about 13 million people in the world. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm one of the lucky. Me and my wife are one. You know, two of the lucky ones. Yeah. Um. My my kids have been started to become immersed more in Hungarian because we have we decided to find ourselves a Hungarian tutor. But she's not really a tutor. She just plays with the kids and she only speaks to them in Hungarian. So mm. they understand. They also stand. They understand Hungarian as well a bit more than they did. And interestingly. My kids can they know Hungarian nursery rhymes or kindergarten oh, rhymes, you know. Yeah. So um to hear this as a native speaker or, you know, as a sort of heritage speaker of the language, okay. this sort of brings a sort of a tear of happiness to my eyes when I hear this because I mm-hmm. think, you know, that is something which is amazing. That you will never you will never be able to um you won't be able to see find that in, you won't be able to get that in a school. You know, because mm-hmm. my, my kids won't be able to learn Hungarian at school. They'll only be able to maximum Not enough. No, exactly. Not. And my mum my mum, for example, when she hears them when she hears my kids speaking or or singing to her in Hungarian, she always says to me, Why don't I speak a bit more? And I say, Look, I would speak to them more, but I would rather they be immersed in in a, in, in Na- with natives mm-hmm. than heritage speakers heritage speakers yeah we we know the language but
0: mm-hmm.
1: we make mistakes you know, mm-hmm. native speakers they know the language better than anyone else um yeah, you probably know this with you...
0: sense that they're just this sounds right and yeah, exactly. as a learner it takes forever to get to that point to just know when something sounds right if you can even yeah. get there you have to really but... be immersed
1: i mean personally i you know when i speak to my relatives in hungary or friends in hungary i i i say something and i realize yeah i made a mistake there (laughs) i'm not going to be able to but i'm not going to be able to resurrect that one anymore you know they that one's been and gone um obviously i can't expect myself to not make the mistakes as i don't speak hungarian every day um, interestingly enough can I, if, I'm, if I may when I was growing up in the UK my first language I actually spoke was Hungarian I spoke, I understood more Hungarian than I did English and when I went to kindergarten that came to a few minor mishaps You know, <laughs> for example someone might have said something to me in English to which point I was like I don't understand you You know, Uh you're talking to me in a language that I've heard, but I can't can't comment to you back in this language. The kindergarten teacher said to my parents, "Um, isn't it about time that you started um, speaking to your child in English? We are. We are already speaking to him in English, but he seems to be speaking more to us in Hungarian. So I don't know how this worked over time, how I managed, um, how I then reverted back to English Um, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you when I was at school going through puberty I had this there was a period when I said I don't want to speak in that effing language to my mum and that obviously made my mum very very disappointed Mm -hmm. Um, looking back on that I wish I'd never said that but you know we always regret things later Mm -hmm. in life but I've read I've made I've I've come to I've come to realise that I made a mistake back then, but I've now I've now sort of um I've 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 gone back on that mistake by, for example, g- during my gap year, going to a Hungarian school and learning the Hungarian language properly, <laughs> and I completed a I completed a language certificate to a B2 level. So technically speaking, oh, I'm pretty much a great. I'm pretty much native speaker, here, you know, or should be, but mm-hmm. um but you know, I as as adults looking as an adult looking back on my childhood, I wish I had not done so these things um because that 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 had a detrimental effect on my language development. Mm-hmm. You know, I I sidelined hungarian completely and tried to and just went 100 percent on english Mm -hmm. um had i not done this i guess my hungarian level would have been higher and i would trust maybe my kid i would trust myself now to try and help my kids learn hungarian as kids but you know who knows what, you know, it's yes. always an if, it's always a case of ifs and ifs and ifs and ifs, you know, so right. like, we have no I, idea what would have happened.
0: Mm-hmm. I think we can take something from your story though, because this podcast is for parents, but it's also for people learning languages. Um, and people might be learning a heritage language again, like you. Um, you went back and you got that test to the B2 level, which is amazing. Um, so for American listeners, because we don't use that system, that is the high, um, high intermediate. So getting really, it's pretty advanced. Um, and I just, I think also for parents, if you have a child that's refusing to speak your language, that is rejecting your language, um, that can be very, just it's a blow if it's your native tongue that they're rejecting. But just to know that that doesn't mean they will never speak your language. Um, you said you were a teen, teens are very emotional, their hormones are crazy. You know, little mm. kids can do it. There's just, there's all sorts of reasons. We, we don't know what's happening at school, what, what kids are saying to them. Um, so there's all sorts of reasons that they might push back at you. And I just think that um, it, whatever gift you've given them, whether it's just the first two years of their life um, to more or less, um, I think it's, it's still there. It's still a part of them, even if you haven't spoken your native language to your kids at all you know, they they still have the heritage. They know that they are from this country, They you're, that you guys speak that language, and I just think it's never too late. They might become, you know, an adult and decide that they want to learn this language now. They want to learn more. Mm. And, you know, everybody mm. comes to these realizations in their own time, but I do think yeah. everyone is interested. Everybody has their identity, and they wonder about themselves, about their past, their uh, grandparents, and how people have moved, you know, different countries, and I do think, you know it's hard to not put pressure and to feel so sad when someone you know your dear child tells you that they never want to speak your language I, I can't imagine my kids are still little so they're still no one has said that to us yet but that's why I made this podcast I want to hear from other people who are farther down this journey um, and you have both sides being raised bilingually and then now raising your kids by trilingually even um, mm. I think it's great found someone that speaks hungarian so you know if you don't feel confident doing it yourself you've still you've been able to find someone to kind of fill that spot and i can't imagine how wonderful to hear these kids kids singing little nursery rhymes that is like the best thing um i just think that's so sweet and so cute and you probably haven't even thought about those nursery rhymes for you know 20 years maybe more right (laughs) because that's just something that's that's it exactly
1: um so far there are some of those nursery rhymes that I have to say I probably only really learnt when I was, when I was maybe going through going through my teens. You know, what I mean, <laughs> or there were some of them that I hadn't obviously that now I'm looking back on them I haven't heard since I must have been maybe growing up myself two three years old. You know, <laughs> so looking back, um, it's sort of you know, as a parent we are always self-reflecting you know yeah. even from the even not on the linguistical basis but also on the basis of for example what our kids do you know um, yeah. that first that first that first uh the first step that they take you know the first time that they speak the first time yeah. that they can they crawl that turning over that thing that you know when they turn over their shoulder you're always thinking back i wonder how it was for me back then you know i wonder how it was for, i wonder how it was how I, how I was, like, how easy yeah. it was for me to do things like this. Okay. Um, and I have to say one thing that, going, to your, going back to your point about society, mm-hmm. growing up in England during the 2000s, and in a school, pub- pubescent kids who, who came from a monolingual background there was always this sort of, you know, sort of like cockerels and a, cockerels in a farmyard, you spit, ah, you're not an Eng- you're not English, you know, you haven't got, you haven't got an English first name, you know, and like, you know, you're always being poked at, and there was always something that other kids managed to, managed to poke something out of me, you know, it was either your first name is in English, how can you call yourself an Englishman, or, you know, an English boy, or no, you're please. too small, you can't run, uh, you can't play football, or, you know, yeah. soccer and, you know, you guys you guys call it soccer, but we call it football. <laughs> um, so that, there was always something that, that you know, they were all, somehow able to poke something out of me. And I mm-hmm. think this had an influence on me then going back home and saying, you know, I don't want to speak that language with you, I mm-hmm. can't be heard speaking that language with you. Um, it's a case. It was more of a case of, I, not that I didn't want to speak it, it was probably more of a case of, if I speak it, then I feel more like I am not one of them. You know, one <laughs> of the kids out on the playing in the playground or playing football or whatever, you know. Uh-huh. I always had this feeling that there was something different to me. Yeah? Whether it was yeah. either my size or my background or my or my physical features, there was always something about me that made me completely different to those other kids. Yeah. And I think the problem is that society has an effect on us. And we, as kids growing up, we sort of feel isolated into a position where if you don't look like them, you don't speak like them, or you don't look, or you don't, you don't have a name like them, then we should always, then we should feel isolated. Mm-hmm. Now yeah, the, the separate... problem is, in my opinion, this comes from the top. You know, this comes from the top. As you guys in America have, you got a per, you got a president who doesn't, ex- who, who okay. loves to create divisive politics. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be allowed to happen. Yeah. It has a detrimental effect on the development of a kid,
0: mm-hmm.
1: both physically and mentally, and also linguistically. Mm-hmm. Because if you, you know, I don't know what your your maiden name was, Heather, and I will not ask you. This is <laughs> this is your podcast. You know, you should, uh, I shouldn't even be asking questions on this. No, it um isn't. But if you look at a first, if you look at my my actual first name, it's not Tommy, on my birth certificate, it's a Hungarian first name, it's, you know, and my parents, the only, my parents gave me a Hungarian first name, because I have an English surname, Mm -hmm. they wanted me to see that I have heritage, that I belong to two cultures, and not just, not just one thing, you know, I'm not just a simple English boy you know mm-hmm. I was born into a I was born into a fantastic background of yeah. history and
0: and it's so different we how should adults, be... like we see exactly. it as parents it's a wonderful thing you know my whole podcast I'm going on about how this is a gift but as a child you know we have to, I do worry like my child's going to see this as a gift that I've raised them in this other language and they struggle to express themselves in the majority language sometimes So yeah, I think we just we see it so differently. Your parents probably saw themselves balancing your identity and your name, and giving you this wonderful heritage. And it's a struggle. It can be a struggle. Unfortunately, Um, kids are cruel. I would say
1: I would say to those parents who are listening, um, who 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 come from backgrounds like ours, that yes, your your kids might reject. Your heritage language, or your even even your native tongue, mm-hmm. but you should never give up the hope that, as you said, that your that your kids will eventually see that it's good for them, because you don't because being the same as those kids out in the schoolyard is boring. Yeah. Later in life, when you come to be, when you come through, when you go through. Uh, late higher education, you go to your you go to your higher you go to your college or your university. You don't want to be Joe Blogs coming off the street from from Boston, Massachusetts. So you want to be someone who who sticks out from the sticks out from the crowd. And people ask me why do I call myself Tommy? It's not because I'm ashamed of my first. Actual mm-hmm. fact, I'm really proud of my first name. I'm proud to be different. Yeah, the que- the reason that I call myself Tommy is because people completely lose, completely lose the pronunciation of my name. Mm-hmm. You know, they he, completely. you these... the
0: other person. You want to make them feel so, comfortable. It's not about. I don't you
1: want them to. Exactly, I don't want them to feel. Oh, he's a bit different. You know, he's got a different first name to me. You know, he's not. He's not a. He's not a Tommy Bradford. He's really a. He's really something completely different you know i don't do it for myself i i did this for myself once upon a time and i didn't really didn't really do me any favors yeah yeah so now i'm doing it i'm doing it for you i'm doing it for those of you out there who feel uncomfortable when you think to yourselves "Mm, i don't like his first name i'd rather rather he call himself something which is a bit easier to pronounce yeah i'm doing it for those who are ignorant those who are who don't understand the heritage that we come from and um, those who don't have the benefit of the heritage we come from mm-hmm. um, you know America is a country of lot of immigrants Oh yeah. Yeah. but yeah. the UK is the UK the UK as well you know the UK has so many different heritages going through it's coming through its ports every year it's amazing it's a melting pot you know mm-hmm. we have that we need to be proud of where we've come from but the problem is the politics and the society that we live in doesn't allow us to be proud of this.
0: Yep. That is what we are trying to fight against to make, to normalize this, that this is something, diversity is something to be proud of. Having another heritage and wanting to learn about it is something that you should be proud of and you should you should go for. Do you have a proud uh, bilingual moment or a bilingual parenting moment that you'd like to share? Hmm. Besides your,
1: your kids singing those nursery rhymes. Well, I mean, I think that is my proud moment. Yeah. I think that is my proud moment. The, one, the time when you hear that, that <laughs> tune that you recognize from somewhere. Yes, you're, yes, my kids can't, don't know the words of those nursery rhymes, but they, they put the effort into trying to, to pronounce them, to pronounce those words which are incredibly, incredibly hard to pronounce even for a native. Um, that has to be my proudest moment, the moment that you realise we've made a breakthrough yeah. with one of the languages. That is my. This is probably one of my, uh, probably one of my proudest moments. But maybe another proud of another proud moment was when the first time, all three of my kids came to me and said an English word to me, Aww. and that that was like. Wait, hang on. I might need to clear my ears here because I might have just misheard you what you just said. But yeah. I believe you just spoke to me in English for the first time. Oh. And that sort of that sort of sets your heart going, mm-hmm. and you think I must have done something right here because okay. um I can do because I because they've done it. They made that they made that psychological breakthrough, you know, and you think yeah you're on a good road. You're on a you're on the road. You're not on the road to nowhere, you're on the road mm-hmm. to somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going somewhere with this. They're actually picking it up and using it, you know, to actually communicate something with us. That's just that's great. Um, Could you teach us a word or a phrase in one of your languages?
1: Let me teach you one of my favourite words in, in Hungarian, which not, which not many people can get perfect. Um, oh, it basically translated. It means for your health. Mm-hmm. Now the thing is in Hungary, when you, whether you either sneeze or you finish your food, people always say for your health. Now in the in mm-hmm. the English language we don't have this. We don't have this. We don't have a phrase for this. You know we, yeah. we're sort of like you've eaten your food, so what? What do you want? Me-? You? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to say to you? You know, congratulations. Yeah. Would you like a medal? But in mm-hmm. Hungarian we say the word egészségedre.
0: Oh wow. I'm not even going to attempt, because if anyone's listening from Hungary, I don't want to butcher your language. Could you say it one more time?
1: For your health. For your health.
0: Um, is that used I... in any other situation? So finishing a meal, sneezing, mm-hmm. is it different than when you cheers? Because I know in Polish they use the same thing for cheers as uh, when someone sneezes, which is also yeah. for your health.
1: We use this as well when you say cheers. We oh. always say for your health as well. You know, it's always everything. All of these sort of things, they are they are seen as a sign of for your health. You know, mm-hmm. please stay healthy, basically. You know, yeah. and uh, those who are, if anyone's listening in from Hungary, and is probably probably sort of screwed their ears up and said, oh, he's 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 not really pronounced that one properly. I'm not a native. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my that's my that's my un- that's one unfortunate yeah. side of me that I'm not a native Um, I would like to apologise to anyone who might be in Hungary Although um, I think
0: I think most people when they hear a foreign accent it can sound charming so I don't think that anyone from Hungary is cringing right now I think if anything it might it might sound charming to them to have a little different accent
1: mm, exactly yeah, yeah uh, thank you is it's interesting anything-
0: you want to share i know i've taken up a lot of your busy time
1: <laughs> no um um what i would like to say um, we've 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 really said this but i'd like to reiterate points mm-hmm. uh, it's probably because i'm in english because i'm a teacher and i reiterate yes. points at the end of uh, lessons as well <laughs> be proud of the heritage you what you come from be proud of those languages which are not spoken by a majority of people in the world be proud of who you are
0: that's wonderful physically
1: mentally and most importantly because we're speaking here on the linguistic level linguistically Mm -hmm. be proud of yourself linguistically and for all parents who might be thinking he's going on a bit oh he's typical (laughs) british person he don't know he doesn't know when to finish (laughs) yeah i'm british I'm proud of myself I'm that I'm British, but but one thing I'm not proud of is Brexit and Boris Johnson.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Gotta get that
1: out. <laughs> yeah, to get that one out there, of course. Yeah, I'd love to do this again in maybe five years' time and see how the yeah. development has been going on. Uh, has been going on over a five mm-hmm. five year period. Yeah, five years, lot um, can
0: happen?
1: And I'd also be happy if you. Would be interested, and this is this is just between me and you, Heather, If you would mm. if you would like to guest post on my blog, contact me at any time. I'm look, I'm always looking for people who are interested in promoting languages. So if you're interested in this, or any of our listeners might okay. be interested in promoting, you're welcome. English, in okay. a way, you know, in 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 guest write guest post writing for me. Contact me. Yeah, you can give them the email yes. address. You can drop it. You can leave the email address in your in the chat, in the, in the contact details. So yes. I, I look forward to hearing website. from people.
0: I'll leave your website and your email address so that if anyone is interested in checking out what you do um, and contacting you about that, we, they will have all the links necessary.
1: Super. Thank
0: you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, I hope we can talk again soon. We'll see if I'm podcasting in five years. Hopefully (laughs) we'll see where this little project (laughs) takes me. Um, This is still the beginning of it. So we'll see, but thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Take care. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I hope you got as much out of that interview as I did. Ami had so much to share and I really learned a lot. If you'd like to keep in touch with him, I've got his website and his email address in the show notes. Take care, stay well, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.